All right. This is uh, Web3 Whispers. We actually have a new intro here. So it's Web3 Whispers, where we talk about what's whispered in the dark, dank, musty rooms of Web3. <laughs> Lots of Axe body, body spray in those rooms. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm Matthias, uh, and uh, I'm a co-founder over at Shogun Wars. And uh, I'm joined by my co-host, Steve, and he's going to intro our uh, guest today. Hey, guys. I'm Steve. Uh, Contributor for Shogun War, dude, numbers and, and words guy, helped with the tokenomics white paper, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and we, we're joined today by OX Rozowski, probably butchered how to say it. Maybe I didn't, but uh, <laughs> he's uh, he's our gigabrain today, and, and he's uh, written some uh, pretty pretty interesting and fun articles to read. I know he also participates in Olympus DAO, um, and I think he has his hands in Abacus as well. Russ, if you want to if you want to talk a little bit about sure, yourself, man. and then we can kick it yeah. off. Yes, of course. First of all, like, thanks for having me. Uh, my first pod ever, like, super excited to be here. Uh, of course. But yeah. Up in the pod cherry here. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're only so, five episodes in, so we're almost in the same seat. No, but it's we're okay. basically there's all new. A, there's always a, a first time. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so as, as Steve said, um, I've been, like, an Olympus Dow contributor for, uh, I don't know, like, eight months or so. Like, I started last summer. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, so basically, I don't know, my thing is like data and data analytics. Um, I thought uh, like I, I love DeFi, like I'm a DeFi guy. Um, so I don't know, it sounds super appealing to me, like this um, new thing, you know, like mm -hmm. that was trying to to build uh, financial shenanigans. Mm -hmm. um, and eight months is a eight months is a long time in Web three. So yeah, yeah you're, exactly. you're a seasoned vet, basically, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess so, I guess so. And <laughs> no, basically, I started like contributing. They wanted me to to stay there. Um, I managed to join the policy team, which is probably one of the most interesting things that I've like achieved because there are like super big brains there. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, like right now, I'm. I also got interested on on Abacus. Um, which we are going to discuss later on, I think. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm just like trying to build some stuff. And and now I also started enjoying writing. So I want to put out some content and, and I don't know, like share my my thoughts and, and how I see the space. Yeah, it's really it's really interesting, actually, because like Matthias and I were speaking about this before. And, and even though when you're like in, you know, you're hip deep or like you're, you're so deep that you need goggles in like the Web3 space, it can feel really big. Like it feels like there's a lot of people that are in it. But in reality, it's actually relatively small. And it's it's funny because uh, Matthias had been sending me like some of your articles, I think. There's one that you did, something about uh, keeping your attention, and then the, the the latest one that you did, which I know was on the Daily Ape, was uh, the financialization of of NFTs, and I and I really liked that article a lot. Like I gave it a pretty, uh, I read it a couple of times. So first of all, congratulations, and second of all, like good work, man. Like it was a, it was an interesting read. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah of course. So, yeah, the idea, like I started um, writing like some stuff um, after like all the Olympus drama with. Um, with Jordi and I don't know, like I've always like liked writing, but I never got the chance. And I was like, okay, man, like why don't try to build an audience? Um, like you already started to build a network with the people you are you are working with. Mm -hmm. um, just try to build an audience. Uh, maybe your network grows, and let's see what happens. Because like there's super interesting people in this space, and if you are only like browsing through through Twitter. 
it's like you get some value, but you also lose a lot of time. But mm -hmm. if you start doing stuff and putting that work out there, people uh, is going to notice and they are going to reach. And maybe you get some opportunities. Maybe you don't get anything out of it, just like a friendship or cool people to talk with. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I thought that was interesting. So I, I decided to write this article regarding like owning your attention back, which was mm -hmm. more or less on these lines, like um, do not focus just on crypto Twitter, um, avoid FOMO because like people are always psyopsing you. And, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, you know how it works. If you've been yeah, it's also anti-senpai. It's also like psychological warfare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. No, but in fact, like you, everyone who's here is trying to make it, and we spend a lot of hours um, trying to look for some alpha and some stuff. But at the end, most of the times, it's counterproductive. So I think it's just better to I don't know have a strategy or some goals, mm -hmm. and and then work towards that. And for me, this is like contributing in some places and. And yeah, just like building um, intentional like relationship. With, mm -hmm. with so I have a, yeah. I have a question for you on that note too. Um, what would you consider to be the most important moment in your DeFi slash crypto career? And uh, what are some goals that you have for yourself? Like what are, what are, what are some plans that you have to get to those goals? Because it seems like you're a pretty goal-oriented guy. You're pretty thoughtful. You're talking about refining the information that you get. Obviously, there's a lot of clutter on Twitter. There's a lot of clutter on, yeah. on Discord. So if you could speak a little bit to that, that'd be great. Yeah, man. So actually, um, so I would say my biggest goal like so far, mm -hmm. um, and I can already say that because like it's public, but it's been like having the ability to, to build like a simulation model for... Yeah for Olympus. So like a couple of weeks ago, there was like an OIP um, to bring Olympus to the next phase um, mm -hmm. with the so-called like stability model, um, like TLDR super quick for those like listeners who may not know. Mm -hmm. um, Olympus has had like historical lot of volatility. And now what we want to do is like um, make the treasury active. Um, so it, it becomes like an active participant. Um, and since it's one of the biggest whales in, in the game, um, Hopefully it's going to help the market. So the idea is to um, make price more stable. So mm -hmm. if price uh, drops, the treasury is going to step, even, step in and buy. And if price moves, it's going to sell tokens. Mm -hmm. um, so Zeus had this like super smart idea and he started building this. Uh, but he was like running simulations on Excel. Mm -hmm. Like he's like super smart and no solidity, but I don't know, like he started doing it on Excel and I was like, dude, uh, let, let me like do it on Python. <laughs> so it's, it's going to be like way faster because whenever he had to like update parameters, it would take like five minutes. I mean, Python is like two seconds. So I started like building Doing something model. on Excel is kind of archaic now, it seems. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So he started like building the first version of the model. Then I did it on Python. We saw that it worked like faster and better. And then we started mm -hmm. iterating um, from there. So I don't know, like, I, I've been like in policy for some months and I've been active, but like for the first time I've contributed like something that I was leading alone mm -hmm. and I mean, not alone, but like with everyone's help, mm -hmm. but I, like I was the one coding, but I, I got kind of like the recognition, the recognition to that Zeus, who is like an, an autistic guy who never like answered the <laughs> message me like, yo, dude, let's get on a call. Um, cause I have like some new ideas and I want you to update the model. And I don't know, like for me, like being like having the possibility to have a one-to-one -one with, 
a guy uh, that smart, it's mm -hmm. like super rewarding. Um, and yeah, I don't know, like this is probably one of the biggest achievements, like nothing monetary, but um, you know, something that really like fulfilled me intellectually. No, that's um, the that's the beauty of Web three too. Is just like this uh, this new capability that we have to look within our community and find resources, people that are really talented that want to contribute and can actually feel that like palpable growth. That's something that we've talked about a lot too, and and yeah, it's cool to see that paying off. It, it's funny yeah. how people think like crypto is like the most meritocracy, like open, open, just like there's no judgments. Like everybody's so it's so, it's so yeah, open yeah. to everybody. It, it's so funny to hear people say like, oh, we need more this or we need more that or we need, you know, it's so close, you know, close minded or whatever. It's like mm -hmm. literally you could be in a discord. You just add value to the project and the founder will DM you and say, hey, would you like to contribute? Like they don't check like, you know, your background. Yeah, like, can you send your. You know, yeah, there's, there's not no, like, there's oh, no hoops. CD? Like, yeah. yeah, there's no hoops to jump through. It's not like, you know, <laughs> yeah, you're, in a, yeah, yeah. you're in accounting. Why are you trying to get into compliance or like you're in finance? Yeah. Why are you trying to get into marketing? It's just like you can build your own responsibilities and work in a million different places to all help the community grow. And no one is pushing back saying, like, send me your resume. It's like you prove yourself. I like it. it exactly. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. like the cool part of like mm -hmm. being canon is that you do not have um anything behind you like you don't have a, a history that people like can judge you from mm -hmm. um and then everything that you earn uh is because you deserve it you know and i i love that um like no, we love that too uh, yeah i don't yeah, have yeah. anything to hide you know but, but it's, it's always like <laughs> yeah. people value you by so what do you have to add rush <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, Sifu, thanks seafood. for joining yeah, the exactly. podcast here <laughs> where are the bodies rush Exactly. Uh, <laughs> like damn <laughs> oh, no, no, we love that too. do you want to speak a little bit about like the anon philosophy i know that that's one of the, the yeah. things that you were interested in talking about so i feel like that's a good segue yeah sure definitely so yeah it's, it's basically what you said no um mm -hmm. I, I believe like in in people being uh, valued for what they do mm -hmm. and and i feel like being anon is like a a choice that felt right for me at least, because um, again, it's I don't have to hide anything, but I want like people to value me for what I do. And then imagine that maybe things work out um, properly. One day I make it, whatever. Um, you can have uh, your own life um, and people do not treat you differently. You know, yeah. I don't want my mm -hmm. friends to like, if one day I make it, I don't want my friends to know that I'm rich uh, and then treat me different because of that. Um, yeah. So I think it's cool to have like both personalities, like your Anon Web3 personality and then your like real persona. And I, I don't know, I think it's a, it's a choice that I, I, I like to take because I was like, okay, if eventually I want to dox myself, that's something I can always do. But if I start um, doxed directly, Mm -hmm. I cannot like um, go back that easily, you know. Yeah, it's not it's not as feasible. But I mean, I think yeah. your friends will know you're rich when you start buying them tables at the local local club. But... <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure it out. Like, but no, I mean that's that's totally true. I mean, I think it's it's so much cleaner that it's just like you're judged for what you do, not for who you are. Exactly. Um, and everybody wants to be rich, not famous. Usually in this space, you know, some probably probably want both. But yeah. I think that's really the goal. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like it's like this figurative ski mask that you wear when you're when you're working in Web three. It's like if you were to wear a ski mask and walk into a bank in real life, you're gonna get shot. But here, it's like the norm. So there's no one there's no one telling you like, oh, why haven't you doxed yourself? It's more like you know everyone's kind of is working with a pseudonymous. Not everyone, obviously. There's always the exceptions, but most uh, life and kind of trying to build their way up in a community that's not judging them for their past. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think we always have to push back on these things where people are like, oh, well, the team's not doxxed or this is not doxxed. It's like, there's a lot of scammers that you know exactly who they are. Like, it yeah. doesn't really matter. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? absolutely. And like, I, I really think that, or at least like for myself, um, like my Web3 personality is something I value a lot. Like, mm -hmm. it's not Definitely. that I have like... Uh, like a, a big audience or anything, but mm -hmm. I've like spent a lot of hours like building that. And, you know, like if one day I end up having like a reputation, mm -hmm. um, it's cause I earn it. So I don't want to lose it. And I feel like if there's like an unknown team that mm -hmm. has like a proven record, that's super valuable. Like I don't have any kind of problem trusting someone um, who is unknown. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it's starting from scratch. Sorry, go ahead, Matthias. I don't want to. Oh keep... no, I, I, you're good. I was I was just gonna mention real quick that um, oh, I had that same conversation or a, a conversation with Tetranode on Twitter about that, where like I was saying, you could actually have a protocol where you can borrow against your person, your persona on Twitter, Discord. Like, let's say you linked up all your social accounts for this persona that you've built, mm -hmm. you've put hundreds and hundreds of hours into. Some people might be willing to lend you ETH or whatever against that, saying like, okay, if you, uh, you know, rug us, basically, we're going to wipe all your accounts and you'll have to start all over. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. you know, that's possible. Yeah, yeah, no, there's, right. there's a lot of social, there's a lot of social capital, I feel like, in our Web3 uh, personas. Yeah, definitely. That's mm -hmm. what I was about to say. And mm -hmm. like, maybe for us, it's not that um, easy to see, but the higher you go, like, if you go closer to the to the citadel, no, um, these guys um, <laughs> who have made it and who are like crypto Twitter like personalities, mm -hmm. um, man, like okay, they maybe they joined like back in the day, but um, if they are still like making some deals right now, it's because of their like personality. Yeah, um, yeah. So if they lose that, they probably lose a big source of income for them you know yeah no right. it's co collateralizing that social capital yeah yeah exactly and the deal so deal flow they lose that but they also like if you calculate that out in amount of hours because people do this in the normie world like i'll put you know if you're making whatever a hundred dollars an hour and you spend ten thousand hours on this account mm -hmm. that's worth you know <laughs> that's worth a lot of money like that's financially yeah. you know it is actually the financial and social credit um so i thought that was a good idea but but yeah Matthias thinks all of his ideas are good ideas. Well, I, I think they're I, all gold, but you yeah. know. <laughs> well, actually, I agree. Matthias's ideas are all pretty good. <laughs> they're all, they're <laughs> they're all, all pretty, my, they're all they're my fantastic. babies. If they're, yeah. if they're ugly, I love them still. You know, I, they're totally <laughs> fine. Like, what I was actually going to ask, um, too, what, uh, what's your take? So is I, I, I kind of have a theory, but uh, I'll let you go first or mm -hmm. you know, whoever wants to jump on this one. But it seems like, um, you know, are, are NFTs in DeFi at both categories are they pvp are they both pvp are they one pve one pvp um or is it a mix of both what do you what do you think should i take it first yeah go yeah ahead. go ahead okay yeah so i think like DeFi is definitely pvp like uh, we've like seen it um time over time um 
like it's a super uh, uh, difficult to play. Like it's an arena which is like super difficult to play in. Um, mm -hmm. Like there's there's like super smart people, and if you join a, a project that feels like a, like a blue ocean that there's no competition, you can be sure that competitions it's gonna get there soon. Um, so we have all these like MEV which is more or less um, easy to understand as a PVP. But then we have all these like um, psyops, all these like people who are um, like spreading messages on Discord or over Twitter and who are then like dumping. And I, I feel like DeFi is clearly um, PVP. Um, on the other end, like NFTs maybe is slightly different. And I think, I mean, I ha like before I say anything, I have to say that I'm not like uh, the guy who understands NFTs the most. Mm -hmm. um, so like my takes may, may be wrong, <laughs> but I, I feel like DeFi <laughs> um, requires um, a higher understanding, you know? So mm -hmm. it is true that um, there are like some um, shit coins that can be marketed as like DeFi stuff um, with like I don't know, staking rewards or, for example, like all the own forks. Um, but I feel like NFTs are way more retail friendly. And usually retail, um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it doesn't have like the same mentality. So usually retail um, are more optimistic, you know, they, they just join the space, they want to get rich. Um, and then they feel like, okay, we are all going to make it, you know? So they buy a uh, board eight and and they are like okay um we have this community it's a strong um if everyone enlists the floor is gonna go up and we all get rich directly you know mm -hmm. so there's like this mindset and of course like there's people who play pvp games in nfts as well um because there are like a bunch of flippers as well but i feel like there's more a uh, sense of community probably um i don't know if um because they are still not aware of like every every player in the space but mm -hmm. at least maybe market making is more difficult and then because of that uh there's not as as much pps as DeFi. i don't know if that makes sense uh, to you <laughs> no i like it yeah same and steve yeah did you have a take? I'll uh, do my answer last. I think. Do your you do your do your answer first. You go first, Matthias. Okay, cool. So I think I think it's cool. the space is PvP and PVE. It's that's what, so I do kind of agree that DeFi I think by default is a little bit more PvP and NFTs by default, um, like on on the masses is probably more PVE. It's easier to get there. I think each individual like we'll call them investors, each, each individual degen coming into the space, into DeFi, into, um, you know, into NFTs, uh, I think they bring their own mindset. I, mm -hmm. I would imagine it kind of like if you know you're walking into a bad neighborhood, you're probably not like, hell, maybe I'll just go, you know, knock on a door and ask people, you know, for milk or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, you're <laughs> like, okay, I'm on guard. Like, okay, like, is that person, you know, whatever, right? Um, mm -hmm. but NFTs are like walking into like a nice neighborhood and you're like, ah, it's probably all fine. You know, <laughs> nothing yeah. bad happens around here, yeah. but there's really, <laughs> right. But then there's really bad things going on. They're just behind closed doors, like mm -hmm. dump people dumping saying, oh, you know, apes are going to the moon or, you know, moon birds or whatever, you know, like, or my mm -hmm. projects, I promise to never dump on you. And, you know, and then people are like dumping, um, 
you know, without saying anything. Mm -hmm. And I feel like DeFi is like, I'm going to dump on all you guys first, you know, you see if you can stop me. It's like, yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so exactly. it's an interesting thing. My take yeah. I'd say is like, I think that there's like two aspects to NFTs. I think the PVP phase is like, is more with information. You know what I mean? Like getting into a project before others is very mm -hmm. information oriented and that becomes like kind of the PVP aspect. But then I think once you're in that community, it just becomes like a collaborative PVE environment. Yeah. 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 I, I, I agree with, with both takes. Like, uh, yeah, I think like the neighbors, uh, neighborhoods were like a, a good analogy. <laughs> I, I feel are... like this, this nice neighborhood is also like sustained by the illiquid nature of NSTs, you know, mm -hmm. because it's mm -hmm. easier to, to dump. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. in DeFi, there's always like liquidity. And so, what, like, what, uh, not always, but most of the times. What part of mm -hmm. the life cycle would you would you say NFTs are in? I mean, I know you have a take here because I can see it like kind of between the lines and the financialization of NFTs mm -hmm. um, article that you you wrote. But, you know, like if we we're to break up the NFT market life cycle into like three categories, let's say like birth and early adoption, let's say like mainstream adoption and then kind of when the market's saturated and, you know, gains and losses are smaller, acceleration is kind of slowed, uh, NFTs maybe become you know, just depending mm -hmm. on market adoption, they could become more illiquid, they could become more liquid. It just depends. Obviously, it's always going to be tiered by the, the you know, blue chip NFTs or, you know, baby NFTs. But wh what what's your take on where we're at? And, and how long do you think it'll be until we hit that next phase? Yeah, so I think um, right now we are into like, um, a growth phase. So mm -hmm. um, we are like still growing and there's like plenty of room to, to grow. Mm -hmm. um, so right now, I think NFTs have managed to to get like a retail interest, which mm -hmm. like DeFi hasn't managed to to do a, a, like in in such a deep way. Mm -hmm. um, probably because it's easier to understand NFTs and it's also like more appealing and and, and fun for for the average Joe. Mm -hmm. um, but I definitely think that we still haven't seen like an explosion and and that we will see it like mm -hmm. this is like really related with the with the article and and i guess like we can jump uh, into it like now after yeah, this, see that. um but yeah so my take is that right now those who joined uh the nft space are just like degens um mm -hmm. and people who kind of like you were either here as a as an Ethereum OG, or you joined because like of DeFi, mm -hmm. and then you jumped over NFTs, or you either joined uh, this past year because um, you saw like that people were doing a bunch of Xs on their portfolios, mm -hmm. and you were like, okay, I want that as well, and mm -hmm. and this seems like fun. But at the end, it's uh, again, this is like my view. I'm not the best like NFT guy, but. Um, <laughs> I think like for most people it feels a little bit like the casino, you know, so I'm going to mint, um, I'm going to try as much uh, to get as much whitelist as possible. And then um, I'm going to be able to win the lottery eventually. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we've seen like retail adoption because like this gambling um, is like appealing, mm -hmm. but I think that the next phase is going to um, start whenever we are able to bring like um, institutional investors and also like retail people who are not DJs. So mm -hmm. who see 
like stuff more as an investment and not uh, as a gamble. Um, and I think what what I like showcasing in the article is is the key. So financializing NFTs, I think is a way. And the way uh, I see this happening is by using um, lending protocols. So basically um, by driving liquidity towards this illiquid uh, space. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that because if you have liquidity, then you can play all the DeFi games and you can get deals and, and things become much more interesting and, and useful. And how do you think how do you think this like sort of unlocking of liquidity that's going to happen once nfts become more hev heavily financialized like once there's a lot more lending protocols how do you think that'll affect the volume of sales at the blue chip level and then how do you think it'll affect it at like the little guy level because it seems obviously a lot of these lending protocols are starting off with like your board apes you know your uh azuki cyberpunks whatever um sorry CryptoPunks. and and how do you think that <laughs> <laughs> I know just renamed now gaming mindset. <laughs> um, how do you think that'll affect like the little guys? Like, do you think that the lending protocols will ever get there or do you think that it's always just yeah, going to be so, like these blue chips? Yeah, I think this is um, going to go through different phases and mm -hmm. like, it makes sense to start bootstrapping liquidity uh, with the, with the biggest like players uh, mm -hmm. the ones which have like more volume and, and the highest price. But I think that eventually, um, we are going to lower the bar and, and more and more like mid-tier collections are going to start entering. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not like sure and I don't want to make predictions here, but I think that um, like for this market to exist, there's someone, there, there needs to be someone willing to provide that liquidity. So mm -hmm. at the end, whenever there's like a uh, lending and borrowing, it means that someone's taking on a risk um, and, and it's like the person who is like lending uh, mm -hmm. their liquidity. So I don't know until like which point there's going to be people willing to to give liquidity away potentially. Mm -hmm. So I, would, I wouldn't expect like super, super small players to have access to this liquidity, but definitely like mid tier like projects would definitely get liquidity. Yeah, especially yeah. since like the trade-off in risk really just means like if you're if you're gonna lend on like a small NFT, uh, you know, with like a relatively low floor price, I feel like the trade-off is then that the you know the principal is going to be charging a higher rate. Yeah, exactly, and yeah. also because of like seniority. So mm -hmm. an NFT which has like a super low uh, floor price, it's way more likely to go to zero eventually. So if it goes to zero, like someone loses everything you know so yeah definitely not good yeah well that's what i was gonna say like i wonder what you guys take would be on you know coming up with all my crazy ideas but you could do something where you're selling you know just like home mortgages with credit ratings right i know this mm -hmm. didn't turn out well in 08 but yeah i was gonna say this um, is uh, <laughs> this is becoming eerily familiar but I could totally see that where you basically, you know, you put them together in tranches or whatever, and like you have the top tier ones and they pay, you know, it's, it's actually the liquidity is spread out a hundred ETH or a thousand ETH or whatever is spread out between Azuki's apes, um, moonbirds and, uh, punks or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the next tier down is going to be, you know, whatever you could do them by volume or by floor price or whatever. Um, and then you're really, it's like an index more, um, on, on the blue chips basically mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, man, definitely. I mean, there's like um, some protocols which are doing like stuff kind of in these lines. So, for example, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, um, do you, I guess you know like um, NFTX. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. So basically, they create like these vaults um, that aim to like provide liquidity to collections, and the idea is that. Um, you deposit your NFT and then you, in exchange, you get like a, an ERC-20, which is then exchangeable um, for, for a, an NFT of, of the vault, like a random NFT. So this only makes sense um, for like floor or like low tier um, NFTs from a collection. You don't want to do this with, with, a, with a top quality NFT, such as mm -hmm. like an alien punk or something like this. Um, but then there's like, there are players such as like Floor Dao, um, which is uh, which kind of uses like the Olympus model to bond and create a treasury. So basically, what they do um, is that they have uh, a bunch of like NFTs, no, um, by using NFTX and leveraging NFTX mm -hmm. um, and to bootstrap more liquidity. And at the end, it ends up like being like an index, uh, as, as you were saying. Like mm -hmm. it's not exactly that, but it moves in in a similar. Mm -hmm. the nature is similar i think yeah, it's no, really interesting probably something I mean, we could build on top of abacus too yeah yeah <laughs> i mean it, you know everything's just getting built off of abacus no we <laughs> we when we talk to medici or geo whatever whatever he mm -hmm. wants to go by when we talk to him he he uh he made a very um a very interesting and i think valid succinct point about how like when you're building uh when you're building a service this protocol it needs to be very specialized all the mechanically it needs to be extremely specialized but it needs to be simple that way like other things can be built off of it um and i think that's kind of uh i think that's kind of why it's easy like that's the that's the machine that he's built i think with abacus and i think it's why it's so easy to picture all of these other financial service protocols kind of being built on top of it definitely yeah um yeah, I mean, it, it also, I mean, to touch on another point, it, it'll be interesting to see like what the institutional entrance will look like. Like, are there going to be, are a lot of institutions going to be coming in straight off the bat, like swinging for lending protocols, or are they going to be coming in and investing directly in NFTs? I mean, obviously we see a yeah. lot of DeFi, like a lot of crypto funds, um, Web3 yeah. funds that are doing investments I mean, I, directly in NFTs, but it'll be interesting to start seeing like how they start leveraging these like lending protocols. Yeah, I, I feel like for them, it's going to be way more appealing because at the end, um, these people have uh, a lot of capital and mm -hmm. they want to deploy that capital. And if you like end up holding uh, like uh, an ape or, or a punk, um, you are only betting on the f like that it's going to reprise in the future. Um, yeah. But like the upside, it's kind of limited. And mm -hmm. I feel like these funds are really like uh, DeFi and they love the ability of um, getting yields out of stuff. So lending protocols on NFTs is like super appealing for them because um, they, if they manage to get loans which are big enough and, and are competitive for, for their size, mm -hmm. they can farm a lot of stuff with that uh, ETH, which is what most of the funds are doing anyways. Mm -hmm. So most of the funds would have like some ETH or some stables to, to farm. Um, and if you have like um, NFT lending, you allow them to have this extra layer, you know, so they can take the bet on the NFT um, repricing in the future, but they are not liquid. 
during those like five years um that they are willing to hold the asset. yeah no like mechanically their their revenue stream is or i should say like mechanically everything's built off of the value of like x stablecoin uh but you know having these lending protocol opportunities or like you know yeah opportunities for different revenue streams will give them a way to make money off of what they're holding yeah, I think yeah. what we know about is institutions is they fucking love derivatives. Like they yeah. love like all these like yeah. side, like <laughs> you know, things that are like, yeah. yeah, what can I bet on? It's essentially like tradfi gambling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, which, like, which lends itself like to our next our next pod too, and paramutual markets, just derivatives, yeah. crypto derivatives. Exactly. <laughs> I do love long form gambling. It's not even long form. It's just kind of like let's just not call it the G word. <laughs> like it's good. <laughs> So, I mean, it's like, uh, it's, know. I mean, even the stock market is just like informed gambling, right? Like you're just betting exactly. that something is going to go up or yeah. it's going to go down. I mean, and then you just make that much more plain and simple and tangible if you do like yeah. options or whatnot, right? Because then you're literally just betting up or down and that's how you're making your money. It's like, I know it, it's, it uh, it's crazy. I love boomers when they're like, oh, you know, yeah. I want something real, you know, like, uh, you know, what if nobody wants to buy Bitcoin anymore? I'm like, what if nobody wants to buy Apple anymore? Yeah. Like then it's zero. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, you know, if he's like, what if everyone in the world doesn't want Bitcoin anymore? Like, yeah, well, okay. It's just very unlikely. What if everybody doesn't want Apple? Like then it goes yeah. to zero. Like that's yeah. how supply and demand works. Like, <laughs> exactly. We're going to see fluctuations. So think, yeah. The markets are cyclical. It's not going to be like, we're not going to go to zero in a day and we're not going to go to a yeah. million in a day. It's a, it's just a veil for like, I hate computers. It sounds complicated. I don't want to learn something new. <laughs> like it's just monopoly money. Yeah. yeah, it's like, okay, well, none of it's backed up by anything and <laughs> it's all a cultural kind of thing. So, but uh, cool, cool, cool. What, um, I, we had some other questions. I don't know if we wanted to touch more on the paper. I, I was kind of curious, actually, if you could distill down um, the NFT uh, financialization of NFTs into maybe like three or five kind of core ideas or core yeah, um, sure. principles. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So basically, um, the idea, um, uh, like the underlying idea is what we've been discussing. So NFTs are these um, illiquid assets. And if we have the ability to bring liquidity um, to the holders of, of these illiquid assets, we are going to unlock um, a new layer of financialization for them to play with. And basically, in my eyes, this layer is DeFi, which already exists. Um, but um, as we know, like the NFT market is fucking huge. Um, <laughs> the growth projection is like uh, impressive. And then if like we add this extra layer, um, I think that's like the perfect catalyst for it to, to blow up. Um, so yeah, this is like the, the, the core idea. And then that's the, the main reason why I believe like NFT lending is gonna be a, a, a real thing. I mean, actually, we've started to see the first protocols um, already like going live. Uh, mm -hmm. I think like JPEG started this week, so which is like quite cool. Um, and then, uh, so basically, in the article, I defined two different types of um, lending protocols. So we have like the peer-to-peer -peer lending, which uh, we have like NFT5, for example. And I decided not to go uh, through that route because I think that protocol-to-peer um, lending is more like scalable and mm -hmm. and at least it was more interesting to me um and then here we we have two different categories so we have two different approaches um so as you know like the with lending the the, the mechanics of lending is that one people um 
um, at least like in DeFi, no? So one, one people is gonna uh, give uh, some uh, asset uh, away um, in exchange uh, for some yield. And then there's gonna be uh, another player who is gonna uh, want to use that asset, no? They, they are gonna, uh, they want to borrow that asset. So they are gonna um, deposit some collateral. Um, and then the, the key mechanic is that if this uh, borrower fails to, to pay, um, they are going to get liquidated and, mm -hmm. and then the, they are going to lose the collateral. So the problem with NFTs is the ability to liquidate. Um, so in DeFi, we have um, flash loans, we have like whales that could maybe like do it directly. Mm -hmm. um, but in with NFTs, we have a problem. So um, we don't have um, AMMs. Um, and then since we don't have like a continuous like um, supply and demand curve, it's it's difficult to, to liquidate people. So the first approach um, is based on predictions and based on Oracle pricing. Mm -hmm. um, usually what the protocols are doing is they are using a reference uh, price. Usually it's floor price of, of mm -hmm. the collections. And then maybe some of them are um, allowing for higher um, prices, uh, like higher LTV based on, um, attributes of, of the yeah, rarity. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then some protocols such as like AppShot go one step um, further and they are uh, building machine learning, um, in order to determine the differ like value of, of an NFT. What happens though, uh, the problem that they have is that even if they have the best appraising uh, tool in the world. There's still volatility. When, exactly. And they still need uh, uh, someone to buy the NFT. So if they have to liquidate uh, uh, a loan, like they have to take the collateral themselves until they find a buyer for the NFT. Mm -hmm. Even if you have like the best appraising uh, system, if you cannot guarantee that someone's going to buy that NFT, you have a problem because then you incur on, on bad debt. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why they have to drop their LTVs. First example that we can see is JPEG. Like this week, they started um, like a protocol went live, which is super cool because they won. They are one of the pioneers, but the LTV is at thirty three percent, which is really low. Um, why do they have to have such low LTVs? Because they need to ensure that if they need to liquidate, someone's gonna buy. And their reasoning is like, okay, if someone like if uh, the, the price drops that much and we have to liquidate someone at 33%, we are sure that someone in the market is gonna buy that mm -hmm. NFT at, at such a huge discount. So that works to begin with, but that's like, that's not efficient. Um, and that's why I believe something like Abacus um, has higher potential. Mm -hmm. So the way Abacus works is that um, instead of the protocol um, giving all the liquidity um, upfront to the to, to the borrower. Um, basically, they what they do is like what they call um, optimistic uh, pools. Um, and in the these pools, people would go there and they would log the if, and then with that logged if, um, they will like by aggregation they will determine a, a fair valuation for right. an NFT. Mm -hmm. What happens? They have to log their ETH up front for like minimum one week, max 12 weeks. And then if there's a liquidation, um, so Abacus is just like a pricing, 
um, mechanism or protocol, mm -hmm. and then NFT like lending protocols can be built on top of Abacus. But if you have something like Gradient, which uses Abacus, um, if Gradient issues a loan and then they have to liquidate uh, that loan, they can directly extract the ETH from the pool, so they can do an instant uh, liquidation and risk-free because you know like there's a smart contract that ensures that you're going to get paid. Um, so they don't take on any risk. Then what yeah. happens is that if it's overpriced or underpriced, people like would get sliced or rewarded. But yeah, it's this optimistic proof of stake, right? It's the idea that mm -hmm. like if you 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 the the consensus or the um, the perception is that there's a hundred percent you know guarantee behind this valuation because if you overvalue the NFT, like if you're getting into these riskier pools that are just above you know plainly above. The price of the nft when it goes to auction then th those people in those pools are getting slashed yeah exactly. yeah so there's disincentive for overvaluing yeah no i mean that's the that's the thing like we we really like advocates i think matthias and i have been speaking a lot on the side about it we're, we're pretty excited about it um yeah no it, it, i mean one thing i was thinking of too is it'll be interesting to see like if the lending ever gets there where they start doing like little guy nft collateral like maybe the solution isn't to like lend someone you know uh, 0.1 ETH on like their small guy NFT. Maybe the solution is to lend them like one ETH on like a bundle of smaller NFTs, something like that, just so that there's a little bit more mm -hmm. um, value to that. And there's a little bit more, you know, yield for the people that are actually lending. Yeah, that, that would make more sense than mm -hmm. probably like lending them. Just like one small guy, yeah. Um, Matthias, do you have any other questions in like the financialization of NFT article, or do you want to get to some of our, uh, fun, uh, make Russ sweat a little bit questions? <laughs> uh, um, I think that's pretty good. The only thing I was going to touch on with, with that was basically like, I think people, um, need to realize that peer to peer kind of sounds, uh, I think, it, I think it sounds good, like peer to peer lending and all these kind of things. But we've already figured out it's really inefficient, and that's why we've transitioned to more of an AMM model in DeFi instead of how fast, let's say, like OTC markets are. You yeah. know, it's just so hard. Like, you want one Bitcoin, and you know, there's there's one guy that wants 0.9, and there's another guy that wants 1.5, so it's not big enough for him, and it's not, you know, it's too big for another. It's just. It's so, yeah, so I think we're already past that phase. Um, yeah, I mean, peer-to-peer -peer will just never be as efficient or precise. Yeah, yeah. it's that capital efficiency exactly. that we're really already hitting, so. Yeah. Um, but that was the only uh, point I was going to touch on on there. Yeah. So I have some, uh, I think we both have some fun questions for you, Russ, just general stuff. <laughs> we are, we're joking about trying to make you sweat. They're, they're just, not just, bad. They're, yeah, they're not just bad, like, yeah. <laughs> We're just yeah. We're just having um, too much fun. I mean, so I know one thing you, you know, so yeah, up, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can always cough if you if, if a question's too bad. Just... No, no, don't worry, man. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna be like, this new guy's voice sounds very familiar. I don't yeah, know where just, Russ went, but it's uh, just this new changing guy. my voice, it's just me changing my voice and answering my own questions. Yeah, no, but uh, so you know, how you we talked a little bit about FOMO, and it's it's a funny word, IRL, but it's very tangible. It's like it, it plays its it plays its role in value for sure. And in, in DeFi and and um, and I mean, it does even actually in like stock markets, buying equities, etc. But like, I think we feel it much more when uh, FOMO is, you know, writing on the the uh, the back of Twitter and Discord and all these other like social media connection platforms. Um, so how how do you handle FOMO in the space? And uh, what do you consider to be kind of the threshold for like, okay, like I wish I'd gotten into this, but uh, fuck that. Like it's pretty, the price is pretty high now. I'm just going to wait for the next blue chip to, to appear. 
Yeah, so um, first of all, like I feel like uh, everyone feels FOMO, like it's impossible mm -hmm. not to feel FOMO, but the thing is if you manage to control it or not. And what I try to do when, whenever I feel like anxious, maybe anxious, like it's a strong word, but whenever I feel this urge, you know, to ape into something, mm -hmm. I'm like, yo, dude, wait a second. It, uh, like, have you, for how long have you been, uh, have you known uh, about this project, you know? Because mm -hmm. um, maybe it's something that they have just like chilled or you've seen like maybe five different um, influencers or like crypto Twitter OGs like talking about. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, they have like these private chats and everything. And if you just figure like, if you discovered a project like three days ago and, and you already want to ape in, at least you should have done like some due diligence. Um, mm -hmm. And then, and I think this is the hardest part is like, um, my resources are limited. Um, and then what I try to do is like to be um, intentional. So a lot of times, I like look back <laughs> at my portfolio and I'm like, man, what the fuck? I want to invest in something which yeah. I like fundamentally bullish on. Like, uh, for example, this happens now with uh, like with Abacus. Um, I'm I'm bullish Abacus, and mm -hmm. I want to invest there because I think it's like um, game changer. Agreed. And I look back at, at my portfolio, and there's like some stuff that I'm like willing to dump because because uh, I think that's more valuable. Mm -hmm. So the question that comes to my mind is when did you start holding that and why was the reason? Mm -hmm. Why are you willing to dump it so quickly now, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah, like in this like past months, I, I've been like moving my holdings mostly to ETH and yeah, like now I'm mainly in, in ETH, like uh, mm -hmm. I'm like farming some stuff, but um, I feel like FOMO um, hits all of us and we just need to be aware that it's going to be there. And whenever you feel it, acknowledge that, okay, I'm feeling FOMO. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have to try to stick to your plan, you know? Yeah. Because I think it's, a, I think it's, plan, you're fucked. yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we don't like to, we don't like to get fucked here. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> well, I should say, uh, the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, on DeFi. <laughs> um, no, what, so I, it's interesting. I mean, I think like one thing that I, I always kind of, or at least I started to kind of picture myself constantly as like, not saying that this is actually what I am, but like, if I think through like whenever I'm reading tweets or like whenever I'm in Discord and someone's like touting some project or something, I just picture myself at least at first as like exit liquidity. And I'm like, I'm just like, I'm exactly the person they're targeting for. So if I come from that mindset and then I build my investment thesis to the point where I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm actually confident in this project, then I have a little bit more uh, assurance that what I'm getting into, even if maybe I didn't get in at the lowest price, like I am bullish on growth in this project and that's mm -hmm. why I'm getting it. Not because someone on Twitter said like, oh, you need to buy into this project. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing. Like. Mm -hmm. If you invest in something, I mean, it depends on everyone, no? But if you are not a trader um, and if, if you invest, you need to fundamentally believe. That's what you what you just said. That yeah, it perfectly. exactly. Yeah, I think people really need to have an investment thesis and like a game plan, you know? Mm -hmm. Like everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face, you know, the old saying, but yeah. at least you have a plan going in before you get punched in the face in DeFi, yeah. you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. 
And also, cool. like, answering to your other question um, mm -hmm. regarding whenever you, like, you miss something. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, like, one of the most clear examples of that is, like, um, uh, bong bears. Mm -hmm. uh, so I've been, like, watching this collection go up in price since, <laughs> like, I don't know, it's been months. But I don't know, like, some, maybe it's just scope, you know, but when I say I miss the train, I'm like, okay, I'm late because if I, if I just buy because I feel this FOMO because I'm late and mm -hmm. I don't want to miss it anymore, what happens if it goes up? Whenever I've done this, it always goes down, you know? And whenever yeah. I don't do it, it keeps going up, of course. But, yeah, but we just, yeah. we, we do not learn in this space. We are not empirical. Yeah. We are not empirical yeah. at yeah. all. That's nice of you. That, that's, yeah. you. It's good you sacrifice yourself. Like if you were going to buy in, you would tank the whole collection. Exactly. So exactly. those guys are, yeah, <laughs> it's nice of you exactly. <laughs> sacrificing okay. yourself. I, I'm like, okay, I, I I just cope and I'm like, okay. Um, but at the end, I feel like, okay, I'm, I'm, I want to be here for the long term, you know, because mm -hmm. I, I love this space. Uh, I want to build, I want to learn. So then I'm like, man, what the fuck? Okay. I'm coping. I know I've missed this one. <laughs> but if I'm going to be here for like five, 10 more years, man, there's going to be a bunch more, you know? So yeah, yeah exactly. it doesn't help. Uh, like it doesn't fix it, but it somehow helps, you know, it helps me. Yeah. And maybe the most conservative mindset for the most part is like, once you start feeling that FOMO, I think we just need to shift the way that we think about it and our reaction to it from like, I'm feeling the FOMO, I'm going to invest, like I'm feeling the FOMO, like I'm just going to look for the next project. You know what I mean? Like maybe that's not always going to work out for you. Like Matthias has been talking about how he's FOMOing with like Moonbirds. And I know that like he told me that <laughs> while the price was still going up. But like, I think for the most part, if we shift the way that we react to FOMO to just like, all right, time to look for a different project, then like we can save ourselves from like a lot of uh, blood, sweat and tears. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And there, there's another I heard somebody talking about a way like that. Uh, I think it was like a VC or something saying that they don't try to get which was kind of funny, but they don't try to get early on NFTs. They just look for ones that are already clearly the winner and just invest in those and have mm -hmm. a long enough time horizon to go, OK, good. You know, board apes are probably always going to be good. You know, punks are always going to be good. Azuki is always going to be good. You know, so they just go to blue chips or, or projects mm -hmm. that have at least, um, you know, already kind of proven themselves. Mm -hmm. and go okay whatever i lost out on being early i'm gaining on being sure that i'm in the right collection mm -hmm. which is interesting because yeah. yeah. if you try to pick early ones sometimes you know one out of ten you're right <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. yeah exactly that's the more conservative outlook which i think would probably help a lot of uh a lot of our 12 year old investors i mean as, as long as they have like 300 grand to throw into a punk or yeah, exactly. an ape or something that's, you know <laughs> that is that is money yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, Which then... that's what they call risk reward, no? So, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly. what we don't do, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that brings me to I have one more question to you, Matthias, and then you can yeah, you yeah, ask yours. But I think it just lends itself well to the last one. But uh, what advice would you give to someone who's just entering Web3 DeFi space for the first time? Like, imagine like a new, uh, a, a new a new investor who's new to Twitter, new to Discord, like hasn't been a part of those communities and is just getting overwhelmed with like the clutter of information, you know, the mixture of shit posts, which make up probably 95% of the posts and then the actual <laughs> formative like alpha that they're getting on Twitter. What, what advice would you give them? So basically like, and I, I would give this advice to myself as well when I first joined, <laughs> it's like you should figure out whether you love this space or not, like whether you are interested um, on learning or 
you just want to make money because if you just want to make money over the long run it's probably best for you to just like buy if and never look back you know like you dca mm -hmm. and you never look back but if you want to like learn stuff build stuff um and potentially make things faster mm -hmm. um then you have to commit and and go like all in yeah uh and i i don't know like i feel like the best way and again i uh, as i told you like i started like i joined the dow months ago but i feel like now i'm starting to to see the rewards mm -hmm. um because right now like um I'm starting like to have my small network, um, some friends, uh, maybe like some friends starting to build a project so I can link him with a front end app, you know, or I can give some advice on, I don't know, like tokenomics or something. Mm -hmm. So I think like um, be patient, like there's a lot of stories about like people who get rich in one year because they buy like Shiba Inu or mm -hmm. <laughs> I, yeah like or you are on on Twitter and you only see these OGs that they've been here for so long um and they are rich and then it's like your benchmark um moves there like to their arena but mm -hmm. the fact is that you are way smaller and you have to learn you have to do things like step by step and yeah I don't know like just like be patient and if you really like this um get your hands dirty and and try to build stuff or like write stuff or start a podcast you know like do something <laughs> that mm. provides value and then good things are gonna come like if you help people out like you provide value to to the network eventually i think that the network is going to provide value back to you and i think like right now i'm starting to kind of see some like light you know of some things <laughs> that are like i don't know like now i'm optimistic of what i'm starting to build like i i believe in what i'm doing and i'm happy from what things look like maybe they will keep us always eh? but no it's actually incredible like how much opportunity there is in the space just like you know it's really hard for me like thinking about what I can do outside of work, like in real life, because like, for me, I love to write, I love finance, I love like modeling, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. But it's like, there's not that much opportunity for me to do that on top of my normal job, uh, like, yeah. in real life, but there's so much opportunity in web three to do that and like actually make Absolutely. palpable impact. Um, and still like have time to do the things that you enjoy doing. I mean, that's, that's what's been like, incredibly rewarding for me is just like, throwing myself into the space. 100% doing as much as I can do when I can do it. Um, but also like, you know, still having this normal job on the side as like a, some reassurance that, you know, I'm not going to lose all my money in the space yeah. and like still feel <laughs> still feeling like I'm exploring my passions, but like also, you know, reaping the benefits. Yeah. So I, I have to say like, uh, I completely like relate with that because I'm in the exact same situation. Um, so I feel like, um, I, I'm not like still like all in. So I work my full-time job and then maybe for extra hours or whatever. Like a good thing about having an unknown identity is that you can like do stuff um, mm -hmm. while you're working. So you can tweet and whatever and no one knows. Um, but yeah, man, like I, f I feel um, this is also important and this is like something that 
it's hard. I don't know if this happens to you, but I feel good with myself with the fact that, okay, I'm investing a lot of time with this and I, I, I can see improvements mm -hmm. uh, slowly, but I can see some improvements, but I also have like this thought that, okay, should I fucking drop everything and start working like full-time web three, you know, and, yeah, and yeah. All in? yes, no, I can, <laughs> I can, no, I completely relate. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. I feel yeah, like no, I mean, that's worse than FOMO. Yeah, <laughs> it is, it is. I know. I think I think I'm uh, to give a different view. Like I, I'm more of the burn the ships uh, mentality. Like I totally think anybody, like obviously anybody at this this table, but also uh, a lot of people that would consider it. I think people will get very creative when they have to, um, especially if it's like I, I have to make it in this month. You know, not mm -hmm. not in a degen way, but like okay, you know, I'm fired. I have to make it in something I love. Um, you know, I'm going into, into DeFi, you know, I DM every protocol founder I can find and say, Hey, can you, do you need help? And then just, you know, like if you burn the ships, you know, you got to learn to swim real quick, you know, but you know, nobody talks about the downside on that one, but I do think most people are more capable than they think they are. They give themselves credit for. So I think everybody here would obviously make it, but, um, I think, more people should try that as well. No, but that's but a good, that's a, make it. that's a really good point though too. And I think it honestly like I think the two ideas can kind of coexist because it gives us a platform to build the confidence in the things that we can do before we can like actually make the decision to burn the ships. Like that's that's what I think has been really nice is that like I don't have to burn the ships and go straight into web3 to prove something to myself, but like once I yeah. feel like I have proved something to myself and like I I feel like there is opportunity there then like i can make that decision it's it's like you build this informed decision before you can actually like burn the ships say fuck yeah, it for sure yeah. i mean i think burning the ships too is kind of a psycho move as well because you kind of have to have like a disregard for your own safety but yeah but, you know so i'm not, yeah. not really recommending that one but but definitely um i think too like you can definitely hedge a bit more like people people think oh well i do you know my nine to five and then i can't i don't have any other time like if you cut out like tv and all the like the little stuff that you do around there like just getting on discord sometimes you know tweeting yeah um, i think i think you can do it in a smart way where you're not at risk like and then um you yeah, could also yeah. do it in a dumb way and maybe it works out you know but maybe yeah. it doesn't <laughs> no, i agree i agree yeah, yeah. you buy shiba inu at uh before it's even launched or the uh, same day the contract's deployed you know and uh, you're good to go. That, yeah. That's it. <laughs> Maybe not the smartest move, but obviously it worked yeah. out for a lot of people. <laughs> Just don't burn the ships uh, yeah. at 70 cents on Doge. You know what I mean? Like, that's the problem. <laughs> don't, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, then you're fucked. And, you know. Um, well, cool. I think I was going to ask a few until we, I think we run out of time. But I think um, I think the biggest one I, I want to start with was... Um, so was there a podcast, Twitter page, or book that you look to when um, you're literally looking for alpha or looking to kind of get your head on straight or looking for a sense of things? So actually, uh, I try, like, right now, I'm more focused, like, on, on building stuff. But mm. um, before, when I was more, like, try, trying to build, like, my portfolio and, and like, learning stuff, um, uh, one that one podcast that I enjoyed a lot was um, uh, the one from Young Capital. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, it's called like um, Young uh, Will Capital or something like this. 
Um, yeah. And that's like, that's really interesting. It's focused on DeFi, which is what I like. Um, it's like a bunch of friends who have like a, an investment fund or like VC, I don't know exactly what it is. And they are just friends. Uh, they invest in, in some projects um, and they get the chance to interview like uh, super interesting people. So more or less like what you will end up doing in a year from now, you know? Um, <laughs> exactly. Like the confidence. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're but all going to make it. Yeah, that's like, that's, it has like a similar vibe like this podcast. So it's basically um, good vibes uh, loaded with a bunch of DeFi Alpha. And I think that's, that's really interesting. Yeah, no, Makes I mean, I, I'll take that as a compliment. We, we appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, if we get close to that, you know, that, that's pretty good. Um, I was going to ask too, so what do you think the world looks like at max DeFi adoption? So like we have, you know, uh, DeFi protocols are basically replacing everything. Like we're fully saturated in the market. What do you think that the world looks like? So basically, um, whenever we, if, if we reach that point, which hopefully we do, um, mm -hmm. I think people just like don't know um, that they are like that blockchain is a reality on their lives. Um, they just like interact with applications and, and then everything goes like under the hood. Mm -hmm. um, so together, uh, we just, I think that we just need like time. Mm -hmm. um, so time will bring bigger efficiency to the market and, and more liquidity. And, and so this is like going to bring adoption slowly. So whenever we can onboard uh, retail and we know that retail is going to be onboarded whenever they don't know that they are using DeFi, um, cause DeFi is boring for most people. Um, that's when that's a reality. You know? Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Cause I was, I'm curious what, what you think on how, how important is it that people understand DeFi? So like, what I mean is like, could, is it better that we have retail, like a super easy application, you know, like you don't see any of the blockchain, you don't, don't, they don't understand how it works, or would you rather have a smaller number of people um, into crypto that understand the blockchain, they're more about sovereign individuality, um, you know, they're, they see that the Fed is, is killing people with inflation, you know, like they're more, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, would you rather have that or just mass adoption and they don't see the inner workings? Mass adoption. Uh, <laughs> pump my bags. Pump my bags, please. Great minds no, think like, alike. That's perfect. No, like uh, I don't know. Like I, I'm an, an idealist, um, and I would love, I would love like people to have like awareness of what they do uh, mm -hmm. about like their lives. At least that's what I try to do with mine, and I think it's not necessary that everyone knows how DeFi works. But we just need people to learn, first of all, like learn about inflation, um, learn about like personal finance, like how to handle your money, you need to save uh, money, interest rates, this kind of stuff. And then also about like decentralization, um, like um, censorship resistance, mm -hmm. um, you know, like learn, like people should learn and, and I think that's why blockchain is so appealing to me. Maybe that's more philosophical, um, but we win whenever people realize that governments are not like the key to everything and mm -hmm. are not the key. And the system works in a way that 
it's like governments are our fathers and, and mothers, like they are our parents. Um, and we do not question what they do and, and what they say. Oh, but fuck. Moment, we have another you know, anarchist. We got to kick him off. <laughs> no, <laughs> no we're, we're, we're all anarchists. I love it. No. <laughs> no, the, the moment like people start to wonder, that's when they realize, okay, um, what happens with governments? Why do they have like the ability to, mm -hmm. um, you know, restrict my freedom? What happens with mm -hmm. banks? Why can they like freeze my assets? And then when that's when you realize, um, okay, that's why blockchain is important. You know, I, I can be like um, sovereign. I I, yeah. I can own like my I can own my life at the end. You know, like you take no, your own decisions. And, yeah, yeah, that's the way I see it. It's it's true. I mean, I think like you know, I, I made the joke about like mass adoption, but I think like <laughs> it shouldn't be mass adoption <laughs> at the at the sacrifice or at the exception of, you know, actually understanding what you're doing. Like, I feel like this when moon mentality, as much as I enjoy saying it, and I'll probably just end up getting it tattooed across my chest at some point. Like, I feel <laughs> like this when moon mentality should at some point change to like, why moon? Like, why is this thing going to do really well? Like, <laughs> why? Yeah, exactly. Why like, yeah, you, no, you yeah. need to, you need to like ask the why questions a lot, like under, and I agree with you completely, Russ, and like under being aware and understanding how you operate with the world, how the like how the world kind of spits back, like how it reacts to the mm -hmm. things that you do, and like all of these important mechanics. Maybe not, maybe not all the way into like the weeds, because obviously, like we just don't have the time nor like ability to understand everything that occurs and happens to us at like the most finite detail. But mm -hmm. like understanding at least how things work operationally is incredibly important for feeling like we have some control over the things that we do and feeling like we have you know a mental and physical awareness of the things that we interact with yeah, yeah, yeah i think it's definitely like a response it breaks down to like a responsibility um mm -hmm. issue so if people can take responsibility for their finances for you know the things around them it really it becomes a much happier like better life if you look at it in a couple different ways right like if you're more responsible for your finances then you probably are happier because you're you know like if i make this much money i can spend this much money or um you know what's happening it's not just like the bank suddenly took my money and i don't know what's happening or like why can i only buy like a gallon of milk now for mm -hmm. seven dollars like you understand how things work um but i think that applies to a lot of things i think what most people are going to get introduced to that self-sovereignty or, or responsibility is through finances because it's so you yeah. know black and white you know yeah. and then they'll realize yeah. it with, yeah. with everything else like I mean, I think that the fun part is when they realize, oh, I can take responsibility for my area. Like, oh, I can help out my neighbor. Like, I don't have to wait for, mm -hmm. you know, the government to step in. And, you know, like, that's how a lot of rural areas are. They're just like, oh, a buddy, you know, his car broke down. I'll go pick him up. Like, I don't, you yeah, know, it's not, not like a wait for a tow truck. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. They're just like, they just take responsibility. Um, I think people will be much happier that way. Yeah, but no, I, agree. I, I agree with what you said that, one of the first steps to like realize this is via finance because at the end all of us like want money because like we live in a society where you need money for everything mm -hmm. therefore it's a lot of time it's an eye-opener you know like maybe you are not interested on in how things work but the moment you realize oh fuck, um i need more money because uh, i cannot like make it to the end of the month then you start like okay oh personal finance i should save or um, interest rates or you know and then these like questions start like popping into your head mm -hmm. and yeah but basically like i think 
what we said, uh, like I completely agree. And just like as a final thought is like, I think DeFi is super exciting, but we don't need DeFi to be exciting for everyone. But mm -hmm. we, what we do not need either is that if we end up having like mass adoption, but then people do not know the, the power of blockchains and, and there's really no difference between what we have now with like tradition finals and governments and like censorship. Because mm -hmm. if everything is like so under the hood that they don't know uh, the value that they have, they won't be able to like appraise. No, I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Understands what's what what's under the hood, then uh, how how different really is that from like what's going on right now? Yeah, I think even if we get um, like we recreate the banks and everything again, but it's all on the blockchain and everybody can see it. I think just that the uh, ability for people to be able to check yeah. it on chain, like mm -hmm. one person checks it, yeah, like Zach. Yeah. You know exactly. what I mean? Yeah, that's that's what I was right. like, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that's enough. Yeah. Yeah. That's then enough. that is that is a good step in the right direction, and then maybe in the future we make it, and it's not this cycle that you know we we uh, get out all the corruption and stuff like that. But oh, yeah, that, <laughs> but I think that we could go on for ten, two more hours, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, right, that, that, I fucking love like these kind of like topics. And no, we really no, we we it. enjoyed. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'll speak for both of us. Like, we enjoyed talking yeah. to you. You're always welcome to hop back on. Like, whenever. Whenever uh, you want, you're always welcome. Um, and I mean, I think everything that we've talked about, like towards the end here, especially like macro wise, I think lends itself well to the doom loop article that we were thinking about talking about during the podcast. So like anyone that's mm -hmm. listening to this, I'd give that a read. It, it was pretty, it's definitely very beefy. Uh, you should just download Speechify and have it read read to you like Matthias <laughs> does. Uh, I actually downloaded it today and did that. Um, but the the doom loop article is, is uh it's pretty cool and it, it kind of talks about the maxima minima of you know DeFi adoption and blockchain adoption etc so um definitely recommend that to anyone and russ like thanks for joining us man it's been a super enlightening and fun conversation with you and um i know that you're gonna you're gonna absolutely kill it in the space and you know a year from now we'll be having you on uh maybe we'll be we'll both be on the podcast from our lambos and and enjoying uh, the rich life <laughs> man, exactly yeah thank you so much for for having me like i i had like such a fun time and yeah, of course, man. Yeah, I'll definitely be in touch. Like, we don't need to have like a podcast to have this kind of like. Yeah, it's always just talk. <laughs> I agree. And next time you drop an article, we'll come on in, break it down for the the oh, smooth brains. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, drop a big brain yeah. article, and we'll break it down. Yeah, yeah. Just let us actually though. Like whenever you whenever you drop an article, just shoot it shoot it our way in case we just haven't seen it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And can, uh, you can do proofread if you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, <laughs> and uh, and we can always talk about it on the pod too. So. <laughs> Same definitely right definitely enjoy you man uh i had a good time i, I know matthias did too yep okay have a good one have a good one, guys. bye guys peace